Hey. Who are you faxing so early in the morning? Oh, um, kind of hard to explain. I don't have a ton of contact with this Granton branch, but before I left, I took a box of Dwight's stationery. So from time to time, I send Dwight faxes from himself, from the future. Dwight, at 8 a.m. today, someone poisons the coffee. Do not drink the coffee. More instructions will follow. Cordially, future Dwight. Thank me later. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so nice, right, to have a future version of yourself, uh, hopefully texting you or something, not faxing maybe, but letting you know uh, what mistakes that you're going to commit in the future that you could avoid. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, now, we don't have that. It's unrealistic. But the next best thing that we have is what uh, Pastor Stephanie introduced us to last week, which is a principle that kind of just applies to life in general, whether you're Christian or not. It's just kind of a principle of life, and that is the principle of the path. The principle of the path, specifically the idea that um, your destination, or your direction, rather, determines your destination. Your direction determines your destination right here on the screen. There you go. And so you may, um, as much as you want to, intend to do something, like you may intend to change and get better in a certain area of your life. You may intend to find a, a different job, a better job, a job in which your boss appreciates you. You may intend uh, to get your car fixed. You know that problem with your car that's just been plaguing you for weeks and weeks and days and days, but you still haven't done it. You can intend all day long to do the right thing, to move out to whatever it is that you have going on in your life. But until, a little secret, until you send your resume out, you probably are not going to get many people knocking down your door to give you a new job. Until you actually schedule an appointment for your car, you're going to have a hard time fixing it, right? Until you get your finances in order, you're going to have a hard time finding a new place to live. That's because until you start to change your direction, you are not going to probably get to the destination that you want to get to. And when you, but when, the good news is, when you start to change your direction, things will change. When you start to change your direction, things will change. And if you want more information on all of that, you can check out uh, last week's message from Pastor Stephanie on our website and app. But today I want to move on, especially because I don't have a lot of time because we got baptisms today. Um, and I realize for some of you, though, you, you're thinking about that concept of that direction determines destination. You think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? That, that, of course, that makes sense. And it is. It's just a principle. But the problem is, I think for a lot of us, we just sit and wait we really want something to change. We want our relationship future to change. We want our financial future to change. But for many of us, we just sit and wait. We wait for it to change. Honestly, I think part of us waits whether we believe in God or not. We wait for like this miracle moment in which the whole paradigm of whatever's going on in our life just completely shifts. That whatever thing is going on, like we're just going to be, you know, cured or we're just going to be swept up far, by our, off our feet by that wonderful, handsome, gorgeous-looking person, and they're just going to change our entire life. Or we are, in fact, going to be uh, the lottery winner, and therefore our future financially will change. 
And part of us doesn't do anything simply because we're just waiting for some miracle moment to happen. Even though the other part of us knows that that's completely unrealistic. And that's likely not going to happen. And that's, it's really unrealistic to think that we're going to get to our destination through a miracle moment. Now, I think there's another part of us, though, that's um, just overwhelmed sometimes by the prospect of some of the things that we're facing in our life or how we want our life to look different. Especially when it comes to the things that are most significant, because some of the, those most significant parts of our lives have a lot longer path to get to the final destination, right? To restore that broken relationship means a much longer path then really, we ideally want to put the work into it, and, and it feels overwhelming, and so we don't try. It's easier just to stay in our normal routine and our normal habits, and honestly, we're just busy, and we're tired, and it is difficult to step out of the current path we're on and change directions into a different direction. But if we don't, nothing's going to change. Like, we know our marriage is tanking, but we don't do anything because it's so overwhelming to consider what to do. Or we know um, we're not finding the right people to date, but we don't necessarily do anything to better ourselves and to better the environments we put ourselves in to actually find a better person to be with. Our finances are in ruin, maybe we're addicted, our grades need to go up, whatever it is, we just kind of passively sit there because we're just overwhelmed by what we have to do or what we think we have to do to get to where we're going. Another example, maybe to help you better understand this, uh, from my own life is when we lived out in Seattle, uh, and it was a clear day, which doesn't happen all too often in Seattle, but a beautiful clear day where you could see for miles, one of the most incredible sights, jaw-dropping sights really out in Seattle, is this picture right here. And it's this amazing mountain that just sticks above the entire landscape, and you can see it pretty much from anywhere in Seattle as long as it's not obstructed by buildings. And this is Mount Rainier, and it is a volcano, and it is just beautiful, and it is awesome, okay? And for me, every time that I saw this, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool to set the top of that mountain as my destination and go there? Wouldn't that be just neat to stand up there and look down on every, everything else versus always looking up and just to say, hey, that'd be kind of cool to do. Now, there is a lot of reasons that isn't going to be possible because I don't know how, for one. Okay, that's a little overwhelming. Number two, I, at the time, I worked uh, in a cubicle all day, so it wasn't exactly like I was the fittest person to go climbing mountains. Okay, number three, um, I, uh, uh, oh, number three, I'm just too tall. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you know this, but if you ever get into rock climbing or alpining to climb mountains like this, there are not a lot of world-class climbers and alpiners that are really tall, okay? And that's just because it takes a lot more, which is really scary to think about, it takes a lot more energy to move blood from here down to your feet and back up. That's why a lot of climbers get their uh, appendages frostbitten and cut off, okay? And so it's just not conducive to tall people is all I'm saying. So there's just a lot of reasons, overwhelming reasons, realistic reasons that you really should consider to not climb that. I mean, it takes a lot of guts to get to the top of that, okay? And so to illustrate this, I brought some markers along. Um, and essentially, we're just going to imagine that this is pretty far away, but this marker is going to represent the top of the mountain that I wanted to climb, okay? And what we oftentimes do to ourselves is we look at ourselves here, and I realize this doesn't feel like a really long distance, but I cannot physically 
jump from here probably to over there. Maybe some of you could, but it's a little too far. I certainly can't step over there. And so I look at it and I say, eh, it's just too far. Especially in a world where we want immediate return, we want things to happen right now, two-day shipping, all that kind of stuff. We don't want to take the time to figure out how to traverse such a long stretch. Especially in this case, there's literally 14,400 odd reasons for me not to get to my final destination. That's how tall the mountain is from ground to top. 14,000 feet. 14,000 reasons that I'm not going to make my destination. So now you want to know the solution? And it's going to feel so simple, I understand. But it's to just shorten the steps I have to take to get there. Because now this is a lot more reasonable for me to get to my end destination. And then I take this step, and guess how this works? Oh, look, I can do it, and now, and then, and then I'm there, right? The, I, the solution is that you just take steps, or in some cases, you shorten the steps so they make, it makes it more manageable. And I understand, to, to most of us, we sit there and say, yeah, but that's just too easy, it's too simple. And I understand some of these steps may look different, and you may have to learn and be challenged along the way to take some of these steps, but steps nonetheless will get you to the destination. So what did I do? I hired a guide. I jumped on the elliptical. We had one elliptical at our apartment complex, and I jumped on the elliptical, put like a 50-pound backpack on my back, and started walking the elliptical, and then on my phone, I took my phone out and got on Netflix, and I watched, um, uh, what's the name of it? Go to the next slide. Everest Beyond the Limit, the TV show on Netflix, okay? Because at the very least, I might learn something, and I might feel inspired. Like if you're going to go out and get into a boxing match, you know, watch Rocky. You know what I'm saying? just to get yourself kind of stirred up. So I watched all three seasons of Everest, it's a really intense show, um, to get myself like ready to go. And then I went out and I climbed shorter mountains, right? And then the day finally came where we were gonna actually try to go to the top and it's a three day trip um, through our, the guiding company that my dad and I went through. And I tell you, the reason I got to the top, and I exaggerate not, is literally because I took a step after a step after step, and not just any step, because one of the things they introduce you to right off the bat before you even leave um, base um, to go, start going up is called the rest step. And I promise you, as good a shape as even I was in at that point, that just saved the whole thing. Because when you're at 14,000 feet, there's not a lot of oxygen, and your body starts to like really huff and puff. The rest step is very simple. You take a step, and you rest for about a half second. And then you take another step, can't even keep my balance. Wow, amazing I made it up there. <clears throat> and, uh, and you take another half second rest. And you just do that the whole way up. And I tell you, it saves so much energy. But what was the solution? Taking another step. When there were moments where it was just such a steep incline, and I'm like, gosh, if I lost my footing right here, we're just going to tumble for days and probably off the side of the mountain. When we were at points, there was a point you couldn't stop to go to the bathroom for about an hour and a half, and I didn't understand why until we were walking it at 2 o'clock in the morning. Exaggerate not. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm looking down, and I see nothing. It's nothing, okay? And the reason you couldn't stop for the bathroom is because there's nowhere to stop, okay? And so you're walking up. How did we get up there? You took a step. It's that simple. You just took one step. And then you got to this point. I didn't even know this was going to happen. We got to this point where there's this ladder across the crevasse, and I'm sitting there like, I'm ready for this. I watched Discovery Channel and Everest. They did it all the time, okay? Just one foot in front of the other. 
and you got across the step, or you got across to your destination. The destination, the goal, the win, the prize. A lot of us look at it and say, it's too far. I don't know how. My life is a mess. Whatever's going on and say, I can't get there. Then shorten your steps so you can take a step. If your marriage is struggling, your, your relationships or dating life is falling apart, whatever it may be, what is a simple step that you could take towards repairing it? Maybe, maybe that simple step is going to counseling personally before you even involve your spouse, just starting there. And then maybe along the way you, you involve your spouse. Maybe it's reading a book. But if you're not going to take any steps or you continue to take steps in the opposite direction, I can tell you your destination. I can predict your future years in advance. Years in advance. If you want your career to take off, what steps are you taking now to get you to your destination then? If you have a health struggle, what steps are you taking now to get you to your destination then? Is your direction moving you towards your destination? And are you taking manageable steps to actually get there. And the same is true when it comes to our faith. The principle of the path applies the same exact ways when it comes to our faith. And I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of us, um, especially because I did this, a lot of us in our faith journeys, we stand here and then we set that goal as like a pastor or something. And we think that's just too far for me to go. I don't think I could stand up and do what Pastor Taylor does every week or maybe some of our volunteers do every week. I'm just, I'm just not there yet. I'm not asking you to get all the way there. I didn't get all the way there in one moment. It was just little steps after steps after steps, which then made it possible to get to the end goal. I remember sitting as an agnostic, how many times as an agnostic thinking to myself, um, especially when I was around or was hanging out sometimes with, with Christians, uh, especially those Christians that had like really big faith, like they just lived their life through the filter of like, what would Jesus do? And it was all about Jesus. And one, it was a little annoying and overwhelming and I get that. But at the same time, it was just like, I can't, I can't do that. It's just too big. It's just too big. And so for a lot of moments in those conversations, I just didn't. I didn't even try. I just kind of tuned out because I was like, it's just too far for me to go. Instead of putting an easier, more manageable step between me and maybe the destination of exploring faith or finding faith in my own life. Some of you are Christians. You've been a Christian for a while. Some of you have been on the path. You know your destination, right? You know Jesus is the answer and you're, you, you, you get that, okay? You get the destination part. But somewhere along the path between here and there, you kind of like got off the path and just kind of took a nap. You haven't woken up yet. In fact, you went out and you bought yourself a nice Tempur-Pedic, an electric blanket, okay, and you snuggled under those covers and you're just enjoying yourself right where you are. That if I asked you to go home tonight and make a list of the steps that you've taken since the beginning of this year, you'd have a hard time because you just kind of fell asleep along the way. I promise you, you will not get to the destination if you're not taking steps. The Apostle Paul addresses this 2,000 years ago, okay? In a, in a letter that he wrote to the church in Philippi, we call it Philippians, and he wrote this letter to them, and um, he, he uh, in chapter three, he starts, the le uh, starts chapter three with this whole spiel about all that God and Jesus had done for him. 
And he went on and on and on. He said, I'm just, you know, Jesus has done so much for me. I'm so grateful. Um, I, I invite, I try to trust him more and more every day. And he loves me and he made it possible for me to love him through faith. Not because I have to do anything to earn his love. He just loves me regardless, which is so awesome. And I get so excited that I have life now and life everlasting. He's just spewing all this stuff, all this, this profound Christian-focused stuff. And it's powerful. But then he switches gears, and he says something really, really unique. Here's what he said, starting in uh, verse 12. He said, not that I have already obtained all of this, all of this that I just got done telling you about that I'm so grateful for and excited for and thankful that God has done in my life, not that I have already even obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal. I haven't even got there. Which is honestly so crazy to think about, because if you know anything about Paul, Paul like started out as a, a Jewish zealot, like Pharisee against Christianity. He attacked Christians, he put them in jail, had saw and participated in many of their uh, own murders um, or executions because they were Christians. And then one day he saw Jesus, did a whole 180 in a whole different direction, became a Christian, started churches all across, across the Mediterranean Rim. I mean, historians look back and say, if there is anyone that did more than Jesus to start the church, it was Paul. Okay? And then he wrote like half of the New Testament, half the, the post-Jesus part of the Bible. That guy. And he says, I haven't even arrived at my goal yet. And it's like, Paul, that's incredible to think about. Because if you wanted to win the Christian of the Year award, you like won it for millennia, man. You did amazing. He said, yeah, but I still, after all of that, have so much to learn. So many areas in which I can grow and experience and understand Jesus better, follow him better, to understand what he made possible, because that is my destination, and I'm still growing. And I am going to continue to pursue it one step at a time. He goes on, not that I've already, uh, already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that which, uh, for which Christ Jesus took a hold of for me. Jesus made all these things possible, and I am still trying to pursue it, still trying to get there. And then he kind of says the same statement again, but he says it just a different way to kind of drive home his point a little bit more. He goes on. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but, but the one thing that I have taken a hold of, the one thing I have figured out is forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead. And it's not like Paul's like forgetting all of his past mistakes and all that stuff, because he didn't. He talks all about the reason we know he attacked Christians and killed Christians and judged Christians is because he told us that he did it. He just straight up admitted, admitted to us in other letters how bad he was and how much he persecuted other Christians. And he says, so he's not saying forgetting that. What he's saying is, you're in a race. You're, at, you're halfway through the race, and you're not yet at the finish line. But you're doing what so many people do. You sit there and you say to yourself, well, I completed that half. And that's more than most people could say. I've gotten baptized. That's more than most people could say. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm in a small group. You know, I'm doing all that I'm supposed to be doing. That's more than most people could say. And so I feel pretty good about being here instead of there. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. 
forget that. Because all that matters is the win, the destination, the prize at the end. And so keep taking steps. I press toward my goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm going to keep straining towards my destination. For some of you, you're at a stage of your life where you're still exploring faith. Maybe this is your first time because of baptism. You're back in church in a long time. And you describe yourself as a mild explorer of faith. Like when you bump up against it, you might consider it for a little bit, but I, you know, you got to-do list when you get home and work to get, to get done uh, when you get home. And I get that. I get for those of you who, who, who don't yet believe. I'm just telling you that if you want to move the ball, you have to set the destination and take a step. Big steps or little steps, but steps nonetheless. Just take a step. The, the exploring faith portion of, of, of Infused Church is so critical to us, and we want to help you through it. That's one of the reasons why we're starting an online campus, and we're going to talk about that more, more next week. But think about, like, first time coming into a church, like, that's really intimidating. Like, you haven't been in a church in a decade or more, never been in church. You're coming into a church, and we're going to, you know, we're going to get coffee and that kind of stuff, but we're still going to sing songs about God. And then somebody like me is going to get up, and we're going to talk about God. And that could be, and, and, and that you may feel like encouraged or invited or, or a little pressure to consider God. And, and that's intimidating, I think. And so hopefully, maybe through this online platform, people will feel more at ease with at least checking out church and participating before they step in to it. Especially for those uh, people who don't have a church that they want to attend in their hometown, you're going to hear stories about that over the next couple weeks. That, that we could be a place to help people move from where they are to the destination that Christ has in mind for them through this online campus. That's why we're starting it. That's why we're starting it. Now, I realize for some of you, um, you, you're maybe a Christian, you consider yourself a Christian. I just want you to consider for a second, if you have not a lot going on when it comes to changes up here and changes in here, that you go to church, you do the things, but it's not happening up here. It's kind of like you go to the gym just to watch. Wouldn't that be strange? Eventually become a little creepy, Okay. Now, I get going to the gym because you could, sitting there watching all these people work out and, and, and exercise and become healthier, it could inspire you too to change and to grow. And so I'm not discounting going to the gym just to kind of like soak in the environment and figure it out a little bit. But until you actually start getting your heart rate above 100 or so beats per minute, not a lot is going to change in here. And so maybe your next step is not just to attend, but to participate and engage with. To begin to grow and to be challenged in here and in here to change. Paul is advocating in these verses action. Because the step to step in means you have the potential to win. You have to step in to win. If you don't, it'll be very difficult to take that step, whether it be your life problems, Jesus problems, if you want to set the destination as figuring out who God is and what his impact is in your life, you have to step in to win. It's a matter of steps. 
and being honest with yourself. When you have opportunities, that you take them. And if you're like, I don't know what my next step is or opportunities that I have in front of me, okay, one, I'll put my IT hat on because that's what I did before I became a pastor. Google it. Google's a scary place, so don't read like everything, you know, and believe everything you read on there, but Google it. What, what can I do to take a step in this area of my life or in faith to grow? Maybe if, if it's faith-specific, you'd consider joining Rooted, this 10-week group that we're doing to help you understand like basic Christian practices and understand God better. And you're going to sign up for that because that's your next step. And you're going to show up for that, and you're going to participate and ask questions and engage. There's no expectation, there's no test at the end that says you have to be at a certain point, but that you're just going to take that step, that one step to give God the opportunity to work. Because just in my experience, God tends to step in. A lot of us want that leap, and and you're going to hear stories in just a moment. You're going to hear of moments in people's lives where they felt like their life took a leap. And it's moving, and it's powerful. But I'll just preface this to say Most of the times we experience leaps because God ordained it or God made this leap possible, it was because that person had taken a step or two before. It didn't just happen out of the blue. They had done something to cue that up and make that possible. So take a step. Now, what I think is so cool in regards to faith is is you get to hear this. You get to hear it because every person that gets baptized here at Infused does a video, which is really intimidating, but I think it's also an awesome opportunity. We walk through with them to, to create their story and, and help them a, 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 ask good questions and learn and grow through this experience of baptism. But they share their story. And I just want you to hear, as Cameron and Sam share their story, hear the moments and steps in their life. Sometimes the step took them different directions. Sometimes it wasn't a direct path. But listen to the fact that they stepped. They took a step. And today, through baptism, they are also taking a step. Here at Infuse, we believe baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision to follow Jesus. And that's what you're going to hear, is people who have taken steps and are taking the step today to go public with their faith and share what God is doing in their life. So now at this point, the kids are going to come in, and they're going to hang out together, or maybe if you see them and you want to connect, they can come sit with you. Um, But uh, how baptism is going to work is um, you're going to watch a little intro video explaining baptism, and then Cameron's video is going to play and uh, ask you to just, you know, quietly and respectfully watch the video. And then at the end, um, we're going to dunk Cameron, and then we're going to dunk Sam. And when they come back up out of the water, this is a moment of celebration. So I want you to feel free to, you know, clap and cheer and get excited for this moment because it really is a powerful moment. So real quick, we're going to practice our cheers because some of us, um, we're not the most emotive people, and so I will help you by preparing you, okay? So in, in, I'm going to count to three, and on three, I need you to, you know, get excited, okay? Just at least a little like, yay, okay? At the very least, okay? Are you ready for this? All right, ready? One, two, three. Wow. That was really good. Maybe you practice at home this morning, okay? So once the kids kind of get settled, um, we'll, we'll, start the, we'll start the baptism video. So maybe give it 30 more seconds. And parents, if you need to connect with your kids, you can, or they want to really connect with you. I totally understand. And then reminder, after service, you'll, you'll check your kids out, like up here if you need to head out, but then we'll have kids' baptism afterwards. So my hope and my prayer um, is that you would really consider what a next step in your life looks like.
Okay, I think we're about ready. So we'll let the videos go. I'm Cam Gauthier. Growing up, I didn't practice or follow any sort of religion at all and was very much against the ideas of church and faith in general. I couldn't believe in something that I couldn't see or touch. All throughout my high school and college life, I struggled with mental health and substance abuse issues. Slowly over time, they began to take over my life and before I knew what was really happening, I was in a very troubled place both mentally and physically. I'd become dependent on the substances to live. I wasn't happy where I was in life or the direction that I was headed. I was pretty far down the wrong path, very much like the parable of the lost son story from the book of Luke chapter 15. I was squandering my opportunity at life. I tried many, many times to change on my own, making and breaking promises to myself that this would be the day that I got things together. Sometimes I would get headed in the right direction, but for a short period of time, I would always end up back on the wrong path. Things spiraled down and reached rock bottom so deep that I needed to be hospitalized. I was ready for a change, but I knew from my past that I could not do it alone. I was in the hospital receiving treatment and it was a particularly hard time for me and I felt so out of control. So on the night of October 5th, 2019, I got down on my knees and prayed to God for help, for him to take away the suffering and give me relief from my temptations. I prayed that he would be my savior. I went to sleep that night, and when I woke up the next day, there was a lightness that I had never felt. The weight I was carrying was suddenly gone, and the cravings too. I no longer felt alone in my fight, and it was truly like God was on my side. Since accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, my life has become truly blessed, like in the story of the lost son when he finally came home and his father greeted him with compassion and love, I've received nothing but unconditional love from my family and friends. I wasn't put down or judged too harshly for past sins, but welcomed with open arms and forgiveness. I am so thankful that I found a church like Infused to explore and grow my faith in Jesus. I was welcomed with such overwhelming love and friendship that I instantly knew I wanted to make this place my home. I would also like to thank my family for being my support through the bad times and all the good times to come. I have decided to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior.
Hi, my name is Sam Stecker, and I'm here to declare my love for Jesus as my Savior. I was raised on a farm here in Iowa. I created a lot of good memories growing up on the farm with my four siblings. As a family, we attended church most Sundays. I remember a few times feeling a presence at church, but looking back, I don't think I ever felt like I had a real faith of my own. I would say I was saved in my early teenage years at a Bible camp I attended with my buddy. Although I was glad I had made the decision, I still didn't understand what being saved really meant. It just felt right at the moment, and the youth pastor was pretty stoked when I accepted Jesus. After a couple months, the feeling somewhat faded, and I began to slowly discover the challenges of life. Although I still believed, I drifted away from God in high school and college. I thought I could deal with my problems on my own, and I did that in unhealthy ways. One thing I knew I always loved to do was travel, and I enjoyed living in unconventional ways. I found myself at somewhat of a crossroads one winter, a few years out of college. So, like any reasonable person would, I bought a van and decided the wisest option was to head north into a North Dakota winter. You know you're having fun when you find out how many days your Yeti cooler will keep water from becoming ice. Eventually, my travels took me west, where I wound up at my Uncle Jason and Aunt Heather's house in California. It was Easter, and of course we were going to church. That morning, the pastor talked about Jesus rolling away the stone in front of the tomb. He then asked what was entombing us and explained how God could roll away our own stone. I had resisted the pull of God before, but those words were too powerful to ignore. I decided that morning to forgive myself for my past and take steps to trust God. I then discovered how quickly God can work when you trust Him. All of a sudden, I found myself in warm, sunny Arizona. I hiked the Grand Canyon with my brother Simon. I felt peace for the first time in a long time. When I returned home, I gradually took steps in my faith, began attending Infuse regularly, eventually deciding to use my gifts to serve. Serving and getting involved in Infuse only strengthened my relationship with Jesus and introduced me to an ever-growing group of people who I trust and love. It is inspiring the life change that happens through Infuse, and I am so thankful to be a part of that. There are too many people to thank individually today, but I am eternally grateful to have each and every one of you be a part of my life. And to my mom, thanks for all your prayers. My relationship with Jesus has definitely been a process, and I know it will continue in steps. Today is my next step. I want to declare the love of Jesus and follow Him as my Savior.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for Cameron and Sam's story, their faith, not courage, not bravery, but their faith to share their story, to share the steps that they've taken, the life change that they've experienced, and the life change that's possible for each and every one of us through the sacrificial love that you have for us, that you made possible for us through your son, Jesus. That Paul said thousands of years ago that he continued to strive for, to strive to resemble Christ's love and sacrifice for us and the forgiveness that we experience through that. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would be challenged that, that one of the best ways that we can honor and show gratitude and celebrate these two people's decisions to go public with their faith is for us too to take those steps, big and little, whatever it looks like, that we would step nonetheless. Because people before us for thousands and thousands of years as a church have gone before us in faith, taking steps and changing the world changing other people's lives and experiencing the love of God firsthand. Lord, we're very grateful for your love for us and how it impacts each and every one of us. We thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.